Hi everybody, it's Matt from A Medic's Mind here. Just wanted to chime in and let you know that my book, A Medic's Mind, has recently won bronze medal placement for the very best book award under the category of nonfiction for the Miramichi Reader and Atlantic Canada Review Press. Unbelievable. Blown away by this. Guys, I can't thank you enough. Your support, your reviews, your kindness, and your continued support reviews and kindness mean the absolute world to me, and I truly am blown away. Thank you so very much. As always, my book can be purchased at any major bookstore. It's available in ebook and many other formats. Audiobook, pending. It's coming. It's coming, guys. It is. It is. I'm working on it. It's just going to take a bit. Anyway, A Medic's Mind, available now. Get yours today. Welcome to a Medic's Mind, the podcast. Thanks again for being here as always. And holy crap, you know, I mentioned it last episode that the episode prior to that was the fastest one that had made it to the 100 Club. Well, guess what you guys did? Knocked it out of the park. My last episode reached 100 listens in absolute record time. Unbelievable. I'm blown away right now. This is insane. You guys continue to surprise me. You guys continue to reach out to me. I love it. Thank you so very much. So, yes, I do have another blog read for you. Um, this one was inspired by uh, a show that is on Amazon Prime, and it's called The Dublin Murders. And it's actually based on a book that I read a while ago uh, called The Woods. And uh, the book is actually incredible. Like, it's a very cleverly written book, um, and and the um, psychology that goes into that book is is incredible. Uh, it's I can't say enough good things about it. It's it's a difficult read in that it's a difficult subject matter and the details are quite uh, intense. This show, however, it, good within its own right. Um, it has it has its own thing to it. It's not a bad show by any means, but uh, it, it's tough for me to ever concede uh, that a that a show is better than the book. So. But that being said, Dublin Murders, that's the, the name of the show that they've, uh, you know, crafted out of out of the book called The Woods. And uh, the reason this blog came about was because uh, there's a scene in, in the show, in the Dublin Murders, where a police officer is in the home to deliver a death notification to a family. And in the course of doing that, there is a, a poignant scene where he is standing by a wall and on that wall is a picture of the deceased uh, when she was alive. It's a family photo. And watching that scene unfold, um, I started to think about, and luckily not dissociate, um, 
but I, I started to, to think about all those times that I stood in people's homes and all those times that I delivered death notifications to, to people and to families. And it's a difficult task, um, almost an impossible task to accurately put into words. But um, I, I started thinking more and more about it. And it dawned on me that I really didn't like those photos. I didn't like those pictures. I really didn't like it. as as nice and as beautiful as they may have been. I hated them. And uh, so I started writing down my feelings as to why I hated them, why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And uh, I put them in into a post and uh, turned them into a blog uh, or a podcast, as it were. So uh, it's called Pictures. That's the name of the uh, story coming up. And uh, I hope you guys can take something away from it. And if you relate to it, I'm sorry that you do. Believe me, I uh, I comprehend where you're coming from. Anyway, this is it. Pictures coming up next. Medic one, you're responding. Code four. Story time. <laughs> Through the course of a day as a first responder, there are many tense moments. Moments that tighten the sinew and stir the mind. For me, two such instances that evoke such a response are those elongated seconds before my gloved hand reaches the cold metal of a doorknob to someone's home. You never really know what's on the other side. Despite having a dispatch system, you're just never quite sure what it is that you're going to witness once that door opens. It's not unheard of that some people will call for something benign, so as to throw off the police. And upon entry of that dwelling, you are at times witness to those stricken by violence, self-inflicted or otherwise. There may even be an aggressor still unseen. You must now rely on your wit and intellect in hopes of disarming an explosive situation. Everything inside of you wants to run, to flee and find safety. But you do not move. Not one inch. Instead, you muster a calm that emits from your voice, a posture that engenders de-escalation, and you stand without sway, talking to a monster in hopes of finding humanity. The second instance may be intimately and perplexingly more subjective. Pictures. Pictures on the walls. Seems simple enough, right? As in, why or how could pictures possibly ignite any of the aforementioned elements? The answer is as simple as it is complex. As a paramedic, there are times where it is my job to declare someone dead, to admit that all hope is lost and that death has come to this place. I have to look people in the eye and concede to the hopeful, soon to be hopeless, that there is simply nothing more that I can do. And I have to do all of that without being a doctor. So I have to be goddamn sure. And they have to be sure of me as well. I have to demonstrate confidence in what I'm saying. Imagine that. Being confident in failure. 
admitting in full that you stand before them, bested by the reaper, yet remaining confident in what you were saying, poised in loss. What a thing. They do not teach that in medic school. But trust me, you do learn it. Conceptually, I know it's not my fault that death comes. But when it's my words that break the souls of the living, killing them inside, it's a hard thing, keeping guilt at bay. Further guilt begins to seep in the longer I remain on scene, remain in that house or apartment. The dead lay at my feet. Tubes, wires, stickers, and tape stain the body. And as I stand there, immersed by death, I am surrounded by hanging stills of the life that once was, of the life that I could not save. Smiling tableaus, protected by frame and glinting glass, all stapled to the walls. It is fabled that the Mona Lisa follows you with her eyes. I challenge you to stand in a room of the dead, surrounded by images of their living likeness. Now tell me they don't follow you, even outside that room. responded to a four-month-old baby girl once. She was found unresponsive by her older brother. When I arrived on scene, I picked up that baby girl and placed her on the cold hardwood floor. Myself and my partner, along with another crew, worked indefatigably to bring air back into her lungs and a beat to her heart. But it was all for naught. On the walls of that modest three-bedroom place, Pictures of family and love gaped upon us as we struggled to find life. There was even the picture of that baby girl. She was wearing the same onesie that I moments before had discarded of with my shears. It now lay crumpled by the TV. In the photograph, she was smiling and drooling. Her eyes had so much love, zeal, and warmth in them. Juxtaposed to that was the lifeless corpse of meat and bone that now lay on our stretcher. No warmth. No smile. No life. Her essence was now reduced to a glossed 8 by 12. Went to a suicide call. A young woman. A working professional who had fallen on hard times, mentally. Her disease perspicacity refused her happiness. Given enough time spent residing in the shadows of one's former self and the skewed perception of things to come, she died. Swallowed an inhuman number of pills. I found her in her bedroom. She was tucked away as if to be sleeping. But believe me when I tell you this, the dead do not resemble the restful. On her nightstand, the lasting prose of why she had done what she had. Blue ink, smeared by tears or sweat. And beside that neatly folded piece of paper was a picture 
a framed moment of life's better times. She was beautiful, happy, and smiling, surrounded by family and blue sky. Now she lay motionless and cold. The only blue to surround her was that of our uniforms and expression. I carry a lot of pictures with me, wittingly and not so. Stalker is one of those painfully clear etchings that hang in the haunted halls of my ailing mind. Seeing him dressed in his army greens, laying within a box lined by satin. He didn't look comfortable nor peaceful to me. I knew he wouldn't, and that's why I begged my chain of command for permission to forego the viewing, a request that was promptly dismissed and denied. And so... I gaped upon a fallen brother, struck down by the enemy, now irreversibly absent from this world. All that remains? A glossed, 8x12. Another goddamn picture. I spent almost three hours in a stranger's home on a cold November day. Her husband had died while she had been in the shower. He was alive when she had hopped in and slumped over in his office chair when she had gotten out. We entered the home and quickly ascertained that there was nothing we could do. Upon relay of that somber fact, she collapsed at our feet, wailing in cacophonous bouts of anguish. She cursed the shower, saying that she should have never gone to have one. The reason we had to be on scene was because we were waiting for the police. If someone dies unexpectedly at home, we are to contact the police and they are the ones that take over and assist the family. It was a particularly busy day in the city, so there were no units to send us at first. Then we had to wait through their shift change. And after that, the city blew up again. While in this home and given the passage of time, more and more family began to arrive. More and more grief saturated the hallways and living space of that bungalow. Having spent three hours in that place, I observed a lot of photos adorned to the walls and situated atop of a piano and fireplace. Pictures of a man who is now beyond our care. A man who sat dead in the basement beneath our feet. Three hours. You can learn a lot about someone in grief-stricken romps through time. I learned more about that man than I ever wanted to. But the family just wanted someone to talk to. And I was it. For three fucking hours. You can just never be sure what it is that you're going to see on the other side of those doorways. But two things are for certain. I hate the turning of the handle and the hanging depictions of the living. There are seemingly an incalculable number of smiling faces that I could remark upon about what they would look like in death. Because sadly, I have seen them with my own eyes. They now hang in my mind. My medic's mind. If you've ever been to my apartment, you'll know that my walls are rather barren. And now, you know why.
Cause that's my everyday 